We give thanks for pastors and church educators for creating innovative ministries to serve their congregations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Wayne. You may notice in your bulletins this morning that the uh, order of the readings is reversed, and, and that is intentional. Uh, so this morning's New Testament text will come before the Old, and it is this morning from the Gospel according to Matthew. It's the opening four verses in the fourth chapter. I would invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here ends this reading from God's holy word.
Old Testament text this morning is from the book of the prophet Isaiah in the 55th chapter. It's the opening five verses. And again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Come, come, everyone who thirsts, saith the Lord God. Now who among us does not thirst? As creatures who are composed primarily of water, human beings were created with an innate requirement that we rehydrate because we are constantly using and shedding our supply of fluid, then we need to be constantly replacing. That's why people can survive for a week or, or more without food, but much less time without drink. It's how we were made, to thirst. So come, everyone, saith the Lord God, for I fashioned you into beings that would need refreshment. That's what this opening verse in the 55th chapter of Isaiah tells us. But we also know that Scripture is a collection of writings. It contains in it histories and genealogies and laws and prophecies. And because they were all written for our benefit at the inspiration and the instigation of God, they all have something to reveal to us about God. So this very same opening verse of the 55th chapter of the book of Isaiah is not just about our need for water. In Old Testament days, oases, wells, cisterns, fresh water lakes and rivers, those are some of the places people could go to get this life-sustaining liquid. And nowadays, there are so many more options available to us that will supply for us, this basic human need. And over at the manse, I'm pleased to say that our water is better today than it has ever been. Thank you for the work that you have done, John, on the uh, water treatment system over there over the past several weeks. It is reaping benefits for our family, and we are grateful. The Lord says, come. Come to the water. And the water that the Lord is going to give us I'm sorry, John, but 
It's even better than that at the man's. For God's supply is everlasting. It's pure. It doesn't need filtration. You can drink it straight. He has supplied for us everything we need. And it's not just the water that we drink. In the opening verse of this 55th chapter of Isaiah, we are reminded that there's more to our need from God than just water. Yes, it's a primal need of ours. We can't live without it. But there is another primal need that we also are made to be dependent on God for and that God alone can provide for us. And that is the water that is being alluded to and the food that is being alluded to here in the 55th chapter of Isaiah. God's children thirst. They thirst for all that which God provides them. Just as at the time of the writing of these words, when Isaiah was relating to those who had ears to hear, humanity continues to this day to have that same need. We have a thirst. We have a spiritual need for water. It is how we were fashioned, as Augustine would say, with a God-shaped hole in our hearts. There are many providers which suggest or even advertise that they can meet this persistent need of ours for a a refreshing of the spiritual component of the human creature. Well, even back in the days of Isaiah, there were a pantheon of deities which existed from which people could choose in an attempt to slake the thirst of their hearts and their souls. And that pantheon has only gotten wider over the ages. And that, my brothers and sisters in Christ, brings us here. Here. To this day, in this time, here to this building, or to this broadcast, here to the word of God's self-revelation in Scripture. For the past, oh, several weeks at least, like many of you, I've been asking the question, where do we go from here? How do we press on in this Covidian era, one that's forcing us to live far differently from the way that we did just a short time ago? In particular, on account of being your pastor, I've been asking this question of the church and specifically of this church. Those of you who are gathered here in the sanctuary or in front of a screen or a speaker, what faithful response am I and are we being called that will lead us on as a faithful people of God? And a part of that involves, I believe, looking at this disruption of our established order as an opportunity. It's an opportunity to accept a long-standing invitation from God to put God first. Scripture tells us that's nothing new. The children of God have always been asked 
to do this very thing. And it seems that the children of God have pretty much right along been fairly forgetful in this regard. Humanity has its moments of amnesia, and it also has its moments of great awakening. Reading through the histories of the leaders of Israel and Judah, there were many who were praised for their faithfulness to God, and many others who were cursed for their unfaithfulness. And we're still learning those same lessons, I think. So what do we, in our time, in this very odd time in which we find ourselves, what do we do to rediscover and to recover our identity as the covenant people of God? And since we cannot do that on our own, the first thing I think is that we need to remember that we must simply rely on God. Secondly, we need to pray about it, and we've already started that. We've been doing it for a long time, and at least since October, we've been pretty intentional about seeking God's face and his direction and his wisdom and his will for us as a people to live into this reformation work that we claim that we were ready to receive and undertake. So what's next then, preacher? I'm pretty sure that I haven't yet been given an answer. But I'm also pretty sure that I know this much to be true. We thirst for God. Perhaps God was telling his people here through Isaiah that the way to be filled and the way to be satisfied is by listening carefully, by inclining our ears to God to receive that which we thirst for, his holy word. The late Presbyterian pastor and author Eugene Peterson paraphrased it in these words, pay attention, come close now, Listen carefully to my life-giving, life-nourishing words. That's the invitation that is being extended by God through Isaiah to his people. Put another way, that is, I think, it's a time now for the church to get back to basics. To reclaim and to proclaim the message of the gospel. And one of the peculiarities about the situation that we find ourselves in at this moment in time is the way in which we have had so many of our familiar tasks swept off our plates. Now, this is both a curse and I think perhaps a blessing as well. A curse, of course, because so many familiar routines have been altered or outright canceled. By the same token, though, this might be a blessing as some or maybe many layers of busyness have been stripped out of our schedules. And before other things rush in to fill the gaps that have been created by the societal response to this virus, perhaps we can choose to set aside more time to focus on our relationship with the Almighty. And because we are the church, it is incumbent on all of us who make up the body of Christ corporately to be about this business as well. So over the course of the next few weeks or months, maybe even, you're likely going to hear many a reminder from this pulpit of some tried and true, long-established and affirmed tenets of the Christian faith and our Reformed tradition as we get back to basics and revisit the core of what makes us 
followers of Jesus. The body of Christ. The church. Such a distinctive fellowship over the generations. By reminding ourselves of these truths, we are reinforcing the foundations upon which the Spirit of the living God will use to build, to form, to shape us into the church for the days that lie ahead. Central to our belief system is that which we are again reminded of here in our Old Testament text. That is our dependence on God. Our need for Him is as basic as our need for water. The one who has made us is the one and the only one who can sustain us. Without the provision of the Lord, we simply would not exist. An addendum to the Westminster Confession of Faith was a a short treatise entitled The Sum of Saving Knowledge, written by a couple of Scottish clergymen, so you might want to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, In it, the authors listed the very first of their warrants to believe as God's hearty invitation, which they then illustrate and explain using this morning's text from Isaiah 55. The invitation, they write, is made forever, and it is made for all. It is unconditional, and it is limitless. It applies equally to the most pious and to the greatest of sinners. For all of us, each and every one of us, share an equal dependence on God for the gift of life and for that which sustains life. We may try to work to satisfy our needs through other sources, in other ways, by other means, But ultimately, they will meet with failure, for the source of life begins and ends with God alone. The medieval theologian Thomas Akempis, in his popular book of the day, The Imitation of Christ, wrote, You cannot be satisfied with any temporal goods, because you were not created to enjoy them. Even if you possessed all created things, you could not. Be happy and blessed. For in God, who created all these things, your whole blessedness and happiness consists. That's another way of saying that in his day as in our day, it's not the one with the most toys who wins. It's the one with the most toys who gets the most distracted. Never has there been and never will there be a time when God's creatures do not need him. Some of the most enlightened of God's creatures may forget. We might even deny this, but that doesn't make it any less true. We continue to need both reminding and reassurance. Not only that God is there, but that God is here. That God cares for us, his creatures. So much so that he would send his only begotten, his beloved son, Jesus, to live among us and to take from us all which separates us from the Father. In the midst of this global pandemic, 
perhaps even more people need that reminding and that reassurance. May we use some of the extra time and space that we've found ourselves with to drink deeply from this well of God, to assuage our thirst, to satisfy our hunger, to be strengthened and refreshed anew for the ongoing work of the people of God, that we may become the people to whom the nations would turn for answers, for comfort, for healing in and through Christ. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.